Our scripture reading this morning comes from the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or 30 times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Craig. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, as we think about the scripture and and your word, uh, please pour out your spirit on us and help us. know that we don't have within us the capacity to figure it out on our own. Uh, We can't find our way by reason. We need your revelation. So by your spirit, God, provide that to us. We want to hear from you and to know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, if you've... uh, Sorry, get this thing right. There we go. Um, if, you, if you've been around um, the, the Christian faith for really any time at all, not, not assuming that you have, you might be brand new and that's great, but if you've been around the faith at all, you've probably heard this story. It's, it's uh, one of the more memorable Bible stories. Probably these parables of Jesus are very memorable. They're intended to be, right? Uh, this one of a, of a farmer planting seed, a sower casting his seed. Uh, Not long ago, our family was doing a little landscaping project, and I I was uh, 
showing Jack and Tucker how to plant seed. You know, you don't take the handful out of the bag and just go, <laughs> otherwise you get a lot of grass in one little spot, you know, you gotta take it. And, and if you stand a little further away, you know, and then broadcast it, it scatters uh, more evenly. And, and so we were all doing that. And, and like those projects go, you know, I mean, some of it lands on the sidewalk and some gets up on the wood chips and all, you, get, you get seed in, in different places. So, you know, Jesus is telling this story and it's something to which all of us can pretty much relate, you know, the, the broadcasting of seed, that kind of thing. But, but this parable of the sower is not just another parable of Jesus. It's the first parable that Jesus told, according to the Gospel of Matthew, at least. You can read all 12 chapters that come before this and find not a single parable. Jesus really turns the corner and starts teaching about the kingdom of God by parables in chapter 13. Not just with one parable, but with seven, back to back, all about one theme, the kingdom of God. Um, so, this is the first parable in the first gospel in the New Testament. So that's, that's kind of something, right? And of course, again, a parable uh, is a story that illustrates a spiritual truth. In, in the Greek word, parable actually means an analogy or comparison. Parables are, are uh, simple stories that try to make sense out of more complex issues, you know, make the, make the uh, a kind of theoretical, more concrete, understandable. Uh, they reveal the reality of God through word pictures, stories with which we can relate, intended to help people see things the way God sees them. That's why Jesus used these stories. They communicate their message on a higher level than simply the conveyance of information. You know, when you hear a story like this, you, you somehow know the truth a, a little more deeply than just agreeing with it in your mind because you can envision yourself there broadcasting the seed. And you can imagine your way into something a little deeper than simply knowing about God. Um, and they bring challenge to their hearers, of course. It's been said that an argument reaches the mind, a parable reaches the heart. Communicates in here. And again, chapter 13 includes not just one, but seven. So Jesus begins his teaching about the kingdom of God by telling seven stories the first of which is the one we read today about the sower and the seed. And Jesus began that story this way. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, here's the first line of the first story, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, in the original language, the word literally doesn't mean farmer. It, it actually means sower. And the distinction might seem thin, but I think it's important. A farmer, you know, if we imagine our way into a farmer, we think, well, every once in a while the farmer plants seed, but they do a lot of other things too. In, in the original language, the word here describes someone whose primary business is the casting of seed. So they don't just farm most of the time and plant every once in a while. This is a person who is primarily in the business of planting, casting out seed, broadcasting that seed. A sower went out to sow his seed. So, who's the sower and what's the seed? In a later parable, Jesus said this. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The sower is Jesus. And, says the text, the sower went out to sow his seed. The seed is the word of God. So, let's put it all together. In the first sentence, of the first parable in the first gospel, which is the first book in the New Testament, Jesus says, I am sowing my seed. I am planting my word. 
the first message Jesus wants us to know about the kingdom of God. And, and the point is this, uh, not to make light of it, but God does lots of stuff, you know, like ruling the nations and maintaining the natural order and holding all things together, a lot of stuff. But above all of those things, the primary thing God is doing in this world right now in history is the sowing of his word. Thanks to commentator F.D. Bruner for that thought. Look at John's gospel again. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Jesus is the capital W word. The Bible is the lowercase w word. Jesus is God's self-revelation. Look at Hebrews again. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Jesus is God's self-revelation. And the Bible is the writing inspired by the Holy Spirit that bears witness to Jesus, who is God's self-revelation. Good second Timothy again. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So, we know the word of God in person only in and through the written word of God. And then as a church, we engage the word of God as scripture is preached and we experience the word in sacrament. So all of this added together, Jesus, the capital W word of God, the Bible, the small w word of God, the word of God experienced by the people of God in preaching and sacrament. God is making himself known. God is revealing himself to human beings. The primary thing God is doing in the world is sowing his word. So Jesus' very first parable about the kingdom of God leads with this idea that that God is sowing his word, making himself known. And then Jesus turns to how we receive that word, how how we receive that seed that that he's sowing. And in the the Jewish thought of Jesus' day, it was very common for the the rabbis back then to use a kind of four-part comparison uh, to say that there are four kinds of disciples And it's actually quite amusing to read the background history on this because different rabbis used all sorts of different comparisons. Here here are a couple. One said disciples are are like one of four things, a sponge, a funnel, a strainer, a sieve. And we're supposed to be the sieve, you know, filter out the the coarse things and keep the fine teaching. Uh, Some disciples are either an unclean fish, a clean fish, a Jordan River fish, or a Mediterranean sea fish. Okay, if you've never actually seen the Jordan River, it's actually pretty gross. So you probably wouldn't want to be a fish. I think carp, you know, (laughs) like when I think that. So we're supposed to be the Mediterranean sea fish, you know, so all these explanations follow. The point is this four-part comparison was very common in Jesus' day. His hearers would have been very familiar with it. So Jesus went with it. And his four were the compacted soil, the, the path, the shallow soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil. And gladly, 
he explained to his disciples what he meant by all this. That was the second portion of the scripture we read today. The compacted soil, the path. Here's what Jesus said. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. Uh, Friends of ours know that uh, Crystal and I have been talking about the idea of building a paver patio in our front yard for about the last decade. (laughs) You know, why rush it? (laughs) Why, you know, and we finally got around to it and we we built this thing. And I hate paying for things like that to be done, so I typically just do it myself. So I figured it out, YouTube is a great thing. First step, dig a big hole. Second step, fill it with four to six inches of gravel and compact it so you have a good foundation. So the gravel I estimated weighed about two tons and I used my friend's little, you know, the post with the 20 pound iron thing on the, boom, 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 and you compact the gravel. And I got a tip from our neighbor that don't, you know, don't install the pavers right away. Let it sit for a couple weeks. Let, Let the rain do its job. Let it water that and it'll really settle down and get compacted. And let me tell you, after two weeks, that thing was like our driveway. I mean, it was, it was compacted. And you throw a seed on that, there's, there's nothing. <laughs> it will just blow away. So there's the hardness of the path. Another commentator had a very interesting angle on uh, the orientation of heart being wrong. Look at this. The path refers to a hard heart that is unfruitful because its orientation is wrong. It receives feet rather than seed. It receives the activity of people and not the activity of the sower. Next is the shallow soil. This was a very common reality in Palestine, again, something to which uh, everyone could relate. There would often be just a few inches of soil, and right below that would be solid limestone. So you end up with soil that can be uh, very nutritious, but it's very shallow. So all sorts of stuff, when it's moist, sprouts and grows very quickly, but you can imagine when the sun's up high and there's not much moisture, that stuff withers and dies as quickly as it sprouted. Again, people would be used to this. They would see it happening right by their house. So when Jesus says this, they think, oh yeah, I I get that. After we built the paver patio, we installed 19 new plants around uh, for landscaping. And they came with detailed watering instructions. Like, how, how do you water this thing? We found they need even more water than the instructions said because, you know, when you buy the plant, its root ball is all compacted and the roots haven't had a chance to spread out and get moisture from a larger area so you've got to water the thing. It's been hot you know, so we've had the hose running and it just drove home the point without tender care, intentional watering those things would wither up and die. We've had one kind of mini hydrangea that keeps wilting and then we water it and it perks back up again then it wilts again and oh, perk it back up. Keep this thing alive. The, the shallow soil right? The the rocky soil refers to a shallow heart that hears God's word but never develops the the deep roots of faith. And we can be attracted to Jesus for all that he provides us, forgiveness and grace and mercy and belonging in in, in a larger community. 
But, but when it comes down to brass tacks, you know, the, the dying to self part, the seeing your drink or your life poured out like a drink offering. I know I've said this, this is one of my favorite analogies. Just imagine that altar, Old Testament altar, just so hot, red hot. And then imagine a little, uh, you know, pitcher of wine or something and you just pour it out on that altar. You can imagine what happens. It just goes, pshht, and it's gone just like that the pouring out of our lives like a drink offering. That's the life to which Jesus calls us. So when it gets down to that, we might not be so keen unless the roots have gone deep and we're tapped into the, the, the river of life, right? Then there's the thorny soil with lots of weeds. This is a reference to a distracted heart The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Worries and the deceitfulness of wealth. Note it's not wealth itself. It's the deceitfulness of wealth because wealth is deceitful. It will ask us to trust it rather than Jesus, and we ought not do that. We know these struggles in our culture, worries and the deceitfulness of wealth. See, the thorny soil refers to a distracted heart that hears God's word but is distracted by other interests and concerns. The word hasn't been received with the priority it deserves. And finally, there's the good soil. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Notice there, there are really no descriptors of the good soil other than it's just good. Jesus says nothing about special soil treatments. There's no irrigation system, no miracle grow, no herbicides or pesticides needed. The only thing needed for fruitfulness is to hear the word of God and to understand it. Meaning, to hear it for what it is, the word of God. You know, remember God, the person, not just the religious idea now, the person, God, the person, who has shown us who he is in Jesus such that we can not just know about God, but so that we can actually know who God is and what God is like. The good soil refers to an open heart that hears God's word for what it really is. And and this reveals a deep spiritual secret which in the end turns out to be quite simple. Uh, Said a friend of mine recently, we like to make the Christian life complicated and easy when in fact it is simple and hard. Jesus calls his followers not just to faithfulness but to fruitfulness. Remember this? He said this, you did not choose me, but I chose you 
and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. When we come home to God, by God's grace and through faith in Jesus, we come to understand that we've been chosen, appointed by Jesus to bear fruit for Jesus. And just like the farmer, we don't make the crops grow. We can't make fruit happen on our own. Any effort to do so will result in, in, in no fruit. It's out of our power. Look again at verse 23 from the text today. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. The phrase produces a crop is all one word in the original language. It means bearing fruit in an ongoing way. Not in every season, but in its due season. It's a bit like Psalm 1, right? Uh, 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 will be like a, a, a tree planted by streams of water which bears its fruit in its season. So when you're, when you're rooted in God's word, when the season of fruitfulness arrives, fruit will appear. That's what Jesus is saying. It's a very simple spiritual principle. Again, I'm thankful to F.D. Bruner for this one. Simple principle, seed in, fruit out. Seed in, fruit out. If you hear God's word and understand it, meaning to stand under it as God's word, spiritual fruit will grow. The simple truth is that our only part is to make room for the seed that is the word of God. So, two simple questions, which are hard. Is your intake of scripture commensurate with what you profess to believe about Jesus? And is your pursuit of Jesus commensurate with what you profess to believe about him? But really, this entire parable and, and its interpretation could be summarized by Psalm 1. Remember that? Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. We like to make the Christian life complicated and easy when in fact it is simple and hard. Our role is to make room in our lives, in our hearts, in our whole selves for the word of God and to receive it as such. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pray with me, would you? God, we thank you that you have spoken in the past through the prophets 
and that you have spoken most clearly through your son, Jesus, as you revealed to us who you are specifically. And we thank you that you speak to us now by your spirit to the degree You've said that we can hear your voice and correct our course because we've heard your voice. So we ask for that, God. Make us uh, sensitive to how you're getting our attention. Help us understand what you're saying to us and and help us by your goodness and, and the good counsel of others to discern what you would like us to do about what you're saying to us. We love you, Jesus. Speak. We pray in your name. Amen.